The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Jen Duchenne. Jen is a mystic, mentor, and teacher. She guides her clients to align and amplify their soul's true mission. Using her expansive tool bag, which includes the Akashic Records, Metaphysical Lineage, and the Illuminating Journey cards to reconnect her clients with their own majestic, bold, and limitless self that has been waiting inside them all along. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show with me. Thank you, Laura. I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful. Um, So I would love to start by hearing about all the wonderful things that you are up to these days. So I think it's all wonderful. For me, the spiritual aspect, in fact, all it's all spiritual. So but a lot of my work is based around um, doing private readings for clients. So over a series of uh, sessions or longer to help them unlock from any resistance or build up or ideas around who they are or what they can or can't do. Uh, So much of this is about us finding our power or reconnecting to what is powerful within us as opposed to what we've been told, what we've inherited, maybe even agreements we've made in this lifetime, past lifetimes, whatever. But the the truth is we have access to incredible amounts of um, power, but that power comes from knowing ourselves. And so that's the work that I do is working with clients to help them see and know the truth of who they are. Uh, So many times we have an inkling of that, but we're afraid or uh, somehow resistant to stepping into that true sense of being empowered, feeling the ease of being who we are, expressing the truth of who we are because of our history, because of what we have learned, what we've been taught. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. It always seems to be bringing it back to the basics, the foundation back to to us right and and the internal and then from there doing doing that work why do you think so many of us avoid doing that internal work 
Well, I do believe that this has been a process that we have been conditioned for thousands of years to be fearful. Uh, certainly, if we look at religions, the focus of many religions is that someone else has the key. Someone else is in charge. We've got to go to someone else. And it's not just religion. It can even be in terms of governance of all kinds of things, even in a household or in, a, in your town. There is someone who's the authority, and we have been conditioned to going to this authority and asking their permission or getting their kind of approval for what we do. And so this is leaked down into everything we do. And in fact, our history, not only have we been kind of taught to do this and conditioned to this, we've been punished when we haven't done it. So we have learned that it's not safe to be who we are. And in fact, so many of us will point fingers at somebody who's outside of the circle, who doesn't behave the way we want them to. Yeah, and that definitely is a deep-rooted rooted fear. I think we call it ego, don't we? <laughs> we call it ego because the last thing we want is to be... Um ostracized from from the tribe and from the from the group because we are such social creatures so uh gosh what a what a interesting perspective you put on it talk about fear a little bit scary too to think about uh you know that that we've been so conditioned you have a lot of work on your hands <laughs> to decondition <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned private readings what kind of readings do you do well, I'm in Akashic Channel, so I work with the Akashic uh, Records. I work with the guides, and each person has their own guides, their own keepers, their own soul uh, lineage and stories. So the beauty with the Akashic Records and the power of it is that it's it's a divination tool, like many of the things we use, which means we must ask questions. And the way we get to the root of it is we ask the questions of our deepest pain, our, the stories that we seem to fall into over and over again. So what often happens to us is that we have an experience, or the same experience over and over, basically. And we keep saying, well, why is this happening? What's going on? And the beauty of having this experience or coming to the kinds of readings that I do is that if you ask those questions about those deeper things, the reason why you feel like, oh, I'm doing my best, I'm getting out there and boom, I hit this wall and I, I find myself repeating those patterns is that by asking those kinds of questions, you can f not only find out why you're doing it, so what's the root cause behind it, what are the fears, what are the conditioning behind it, but also the clearing, the healing around this. So there are many layers to this because the truth is that just knowing something is, I mean, it's good for our mind to go, oh, I understand why I did this. Oh, I'm having a hard time finding a man who doesn't betray me, for instance. And then we discover that in a past life or something, many, many arrows that point to the same thing that we were betrayed or we betrayed someone or whatever, right? So there's something that makes sense to us. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's why this is an ache. This is a story I have never completed, which is what karma is. Karma is unfinished business. So we just keep 
cycling round and round because we think someone else must do something different, but actually it is us who must do something different to change the story. And so with the Akashic Records, with the healing I'm able to do uh, or facilitate with the record keepers, it allows people to bust through this conditioning, this these agreements, and to release the angst and to find peace, peace to take this journey as ourselves. Now, you mentioned record keepers, you mentioned guides. I was wondering if we could take this conversation and make it a little bit more technical. I get so interested when I hear about what the experience is like entering the records and who you may come across and what you may come across and who helps you to do it, those sorts of things. Would you mind sharing some of that? No, I'd love to. Uh, I'm thrilled to share any and all of it. So the, 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 there are different methods of entering the records. So many people, and of course, everything is about frequency. So in the beginning, there were, you know, different people reading the records. And we have somebody like Edgar Casey, for example, who was called the sleeping prophet. So he would connect to the Akashic records, but he'd have to go into a very deep sleep because of it. As the vibration has raised, that means more and more of us are encoded with light, which means we are conscious. So, you know, I can read your records consciously. I don't need to go into a deep sleep. Uh, So the vibration has changed. So there's many methods that are still being used. Some are higher vibration, lower vibration, but there is entry. So some people use it as kind of a visual process of entering a library. I don't do that, but it's because I use something called a key, a sacred key. So words, the vibration of entering. And so the guides, these are the Akashic beings of light uh, who we connect to. And as I said, like everyone has their own keepers or guides and I have mine right and I'm also facilitate a clear so I'm a clear channel for someone else so if I'm opening somebody's records what I'm doing is I'm uh, relaxing them for a few moments opening the space and then people drop in so for somebody who's never experienced the records they actually might have an emotional response they might start to cry or just feel this incredible peace a lot of people say oh i feel so peaceful because you're in the kind of container of your soul so it's very powerful when i'm doing this when i'm facilitating someone's record opening i'll often see them doing something or a picture being shown to me about what is happening And sometimes people see what I see. Sometimes they see something completely different. Sometimes they see nothing. Sometimes they feel things. So, And then people ask questions. And as they ask questions, they may get information as well directly to them. But I'm translating the information that drops into me. So I see pictures. I feel things. I see things. Sometimes I smell things. People are different. So the language might be different, the way of receiving different. Uh, Sometimes other guides will come in that are part of this person's lineage, whoever I'm reading. So if they are connected to some particular guides, 
they can actually drop in. Sometimes it can be a family member. Sometimes it can be some kind of figure that's a collective figure that's uh, potent. Uh, when I'm doing the actual or facilitating the actual healing part where there's a lot of movement and energy being shifted from, you know, the kind of older attachments, the parts where the human connects to the soul or where our fear is, or stories are, then uh, the people will often feel something like and see pictures because it's very powerful. And it's like, wow, what happened? I feel like this happened, that happened. And I will see pictures and sometimes they'll tell me what they saw. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I saw very similar or I saw something else or whatever. but So that's kind of how it is. You ask questions, you may feel, know things, and I uh, share what I'm hearing. And then you feel and know that in your body as truth or something very, could be something you like, wow, I've never thought about it that way. And suddenly it all makes sense or, you know, all of that type of thing. Oh, that's, that's really, really interesting. Okay, so... One, it sounds like every experience to enter the records and then what happens in the records is just so special, so personal and so different. And I, I want to go back to these gatekeepers. Is that their sole, their, their sole and sole job and purpose is to keep right. the, the records? Do they incarnate yeah. or anything like that? Or No. The, the, the beings of the Akashic records have never incarnated, and that's what makes them different from, different from other guides, because they have no agenda. Any being that has incarnated has an agenda. They have an idea. They want you to do something. They want you to go somewhere, have some sort of experience. With the record keepers, they are uh, the directly sourced from creator material or God materials. They go straight to the records. Some of us that have been born into human form have actually spent little time in the records but once you decide you know you can you go in and there are different levels of keepers so there's you know they have different names and stuff but it's not a hierarchy the way we see a hierarchy like oh someone's more important someone's less important it's much more about the material that they hold right so um they have lords, but a lord is somebody who would not come to you unless this was some kind of um, information that was highly profound, say, right? But then there are other keepers who show up, and they don't have names. My figures that I see or those that come to me, they're faceless beings. They're just shapes, like they're in a um, basically cloaked beings uh, because they have no uh, need to be in human form. However, they can take many forms and shapes and any of that is available to them. And sometimes they do. They can be very funny. They can be very serious. But the bottom line is for them, you know, they hold the frequency of love. So the information that they give to us through these questions, and of course, depending on how good our question is, that's how good the answer is. Um, but there can be many layers, right? You ask a question one way, you can get so much information. You ask it a different way, like, wow, this all this information is coming in from a different perspective. The thing here for them is as they're delivering this information, because their goal is for you to know your soul. So to know the capacity of your soul, 
in the human body, because this is the time we're in. We are in this time where we have the capacity to expand enough to know ourselves as souls and to live from that place in a human body. So their biggest uh, desire, you could say, or their biggest purpose is to help us understand we have free will. So Unlike our traditional spiritual world where we go, oh, what shall I do? Tell me what to do. Uh, They don't tell you what to do. They're like, you decide. You can do whatever you want, right? You may have some things you've agreed to, but if you decide you're not going to do it, then, you know, no one can make you do it, and they're not here to make you do it. So it's a very interesting thing for me because learning that you have free will is so powerful, but it is also very demanding because you can't just like somebody else tell me what to do, and, you know, it's nothing to do with me. This is like you're in it. You're doing it. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting that you bring that up because it does seem to uh, create, for me at least, this pattern of some universal laws or truths um, when it comes to everything's love. We all have free will. Because um, I hear that in so many, when I connect with guides, it's the same thing. Well, you have free will, but we love you unconditionally. <laughs> and it seems to be the same no matter where you are on the other side. These seem to be some universal truths, I guess, is what I want to say. Uh, you know, I did want to go back to when you mentioned you ask a good question, you get a good answer. Uh, for the listeners, what would be an example of a good question? What would be an example of a better question? All right. So a good question is when you get very specific, right? So a general question is, am I going to find love? Something like that. A lot of people ask those kind of questions. What's my sole purpose? Like, yeah, you can get an answer. But if you can think about using the the library analogy, Uh, the idea that when you go into a library and you say, can I have a book, right? You have a million books in the library. The librarian's going to go, okay, pick, make your choice, right? If you go into the librarian and say, okay, I want a book about history, the librarian can point you to all the books. Okay, reference number, such and such, these are all the history books. Then you can get more specific, right? I want to know the history of the period 660 BCE when the Huns marched, and I'm just making this up. The Huns marched. <laughs> that sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> the Huns marched across the river Thurn, right? The difference is you're telling them the exact book you want to go to. So if you think about the fact that you have thousands of records, right? Your soul has thousands of records. What do you really want to know as opposed to will I find love? Is that really the question you want to know? Most people want to know is how do I get to that place where I can feel so loved that I can connect to love or see that manifested in another being? Of course, you know, just because of the way we think, we think that love is some kind of external thing that happens to us just as we're walking along the road, right? Which Yes, love is available to us on the road, but the way, you know, we look at romance stories or things and we're convinced that we have to get married and we have to, you know, persuade someone to love us and we have to keep doing these things. But the truth is, 
When we're in the expression of who we are, we are more easily calling in those that are um, possibly our partners. And then when the relationship ends, we get to choose if we want to make, you know, we want to work at, is this worth it to us to stay in that relationship, right? I mean, if we're being abused, for example, probably we don't want to stay in that relationship. We're not going to change the abuser, but we change who we are, right? And then we want a different relationship. But if the relationship isn't working because we've just come to a plateau, then we decide, right? Because it's kind of the same thing, just a different package. So I don't know if I answered your question about the questions, but is it clear? Yeah. So first of all, back to the internal, isn't it? It's always back to the internal. Uh, and second, how you how you phrase that, it reminded me that I've heard before that the other side, they're very literal, right? So if you just ask them, like you said, I, you know, will I find love? And then say you, I don't know, you find, uh, you connect with a, with a friend and then you guys love each other. Like you found love through a friend, right? But maybe what you were really thinking was, am I going to find a relationship or something like that? And so the specifics to really, to really help would, right. would help that. And, and, and even further, this idea that will I find love as if it's something just lying on the road, right? It's, <laughs> right. you know, it's like personal responsibility, free will means in order to meet the highest level of my partner, what do I need to do would probably be a much better question than will I find love, you know, romantic love. Because yes. You know, because saying, well, I find romantic love, it's like they're going to say, yes, you know, of course, you know, sometime we don't know when it could be, you know. Right. And maybe three or four of them, (laughs) you know. Right. (laughs) But when you're specific about the fact that you you are looking to become something so that you can have a certain level of something, a certain connection and appreciation, then that's a whole different experience you're going to have. And I think that's the key, right? If we're just going around and like, this is the key to the people that come to me, my clients are, they are aware or they need to become aware through the process that this is their journey, that they choose what they're willing to do and they will be presented with practical information. Yes, they will get healing and clearing, etc. But if you don't take action on the practical, you're not changing anything because this is a material experience. Right. And again, waiting for the external to make the changes, it's got to be the internal. So you mentioned working with guides. I was curious to hear your story about how you met yours. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, actually, it's it's kind of a two part thing because when I was when I was young, when I was a child, I was very connected. But as with many, lost that because my choice was when I was seven or whatever uh, to uh, kind of toe the line. I'm going to like let go of my guides, talk about what we talked about in the beginning so I can belong or be part of the crowd as opposed to be the weirdo, right? And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll 
I want to be with everyone else. And I struggled with that, actually. So that actually, my decision was not, it wasn't a decision made from my heart. It was a decision made from my head, which meant for the rest of the next for whatever, 40-something years, I struggled to become that person that was not weird. And it really didn't work because I didn't understand how not to be myself, basically. That's what I was trying to do, not be me, because being me meant I was weird. And uh, it, it took me to a very dark place. So it was, uh, I, I, I entered a space of deep, dark depression. And at that point was uh, at that place where it's like either I need to leave, I need to, you know, die, just go from this world or do make some changes because this just just I couldn't function anymore. And so at that point, I decided I would stay because I had a child and I felt like I couldn't leave my child. And so. Not that I was much used to them in that position, but anyway, you know, in the logic of one's mind. And once I decided that, I, um, and it was a really tough time because I was like, I could barely get out of bed in the morning because I had absolutely no reason to get up. I was just basically dead. And so I then decided that I was going to follow the signs. Instead of trying to figure it out and kind of emulate what I thought other people were doing or who I thought I was supposed to be, I decided like, okay, whatever shows up, I'm just going to follow. And that's what I did. I followed the signs. Basically led me to a, an event. So it was just like a roller coaster of things. I was went here, I did this, did that, and landed up going to an event. And at this event, it was a spiritual event. I had completely cut off all spirituality from my life from when I was seven, except for reading about it, but I didn't participate, believe, any of those things. And so I went to this event and, and and in the meantime, things started to just kind of shake and move and change. And I was having all these amazing, incredible experiences. And I went to this event and somebody mentioned the Akashic Records and I'd never heard of them. And so I was like, oh, the Akashic Records, what's that? And so six months later, I didn't, when I got home, I didn't really, I didn't look it up or do anything. I just let it sit there. And then I met a woman who was in a class I was taking, and we were in a mastermind together, who was an Akashic reader and teacher. So I went and had a reading, like we got, we were in the group together, I went and had a reading with her, and when I came out, I'd had all these weird experiences about angels and stuff, so when she opened my record, she asked me if I had a connection to angels, and I just laughed because of all these strange things that had been happening, and I didn't even believe in angels, so it was like all these weird things were happening. And she said, because a big one just dropped down behind you and so anyway I just laughed and then they, they one of the my big things was this wall that I had with the world like you know this barrier and so they told me we're going to give you a rose bush to help protect you and you know shatter this wall this glass wall that you have uh, so it was very profound because I'd spent so much of my life trying to to dissolve that and so I just ran outside after it was at one of these fairs, like I'd never even been to one of these fairs. And here I was. And I just was like, OK, whatever this is, I'm doing it. 
Oh, that's that's pretty profound. So what happened after that? Uh, the the did the wall come down or I mean, I imagine maybe it, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened after that is I, I started taking these um, classes and realized that I found uh, it was it took a little bit of time. But then I realized that I had found my home. I found my my essence, my connection. And I realized a few years later, like I was in the shower, I'd been you know, learning and taking classes and getting readings. And I was just immersed in this amazing thing that made me feel alive again. And like, oh my God, this is it. This is what I'm here for. And uh, it was so profound because I had nothing, none of that. And a few years later, I was in the shower and I, I remember... I was listening because I would always hear things in the shower. I mean, I know a lot of us do that, but I was like, well, I can't believe how smart I am. Like I would always think how smart my brain is, right? And then I realized like, oh my God, it's the record keepers. They've been talking to me my whole life. I just never knew it, right? I never knew they were there. I was just thinking, oh, I'm super smart. I just don't know how to translate what I'm hearing into you know, into words, it just stays there. Like, I don't know how to get it down. And yeah, and then I realized like, yeah, they've been with me my whole life. But I just didn't know it. Oh, wow. I love I love that. I love that. I, I was I thought it was so smart because the same thing happened with me too. When I learned that I was channel writing, I was back at school writing papers. I'm like, gosh, this is coming really easily. <laughs> I'm actually right. doing really well. And then a psychic told me, so you're channel writing a lot before she knew what I was doing. And I said, Oh, <laughs> she even said she's she even said to me, you know, you can pat yourself on the back, but know that you're actually getting a lot of help from the other side. So I can completely relate to that. I love it. Um, I did want to briefly go back to that period of depression. And then, you know what, I'm just going to follow the signs and then actually physically getting yourself up out of bed, following those signs. Can you explain that transition to us and maybe what the sign was for you that that got it started right so uh, one of the things was the um, experience of knowing this was it right like hearing and connected to that experience of this is your choice you will go for it or not. And uh, I did have some um, drop down. I don't, you know, even though I wasn't aware, I did have some communication, shall we say, from um, the channel in terms of you need to pick yourself up and go forward. Uh, since I was pretty skeptical, and I did, I was going with my dog. Like that was what I did. I went with my dog every day for walks to begin to allow this channel to open and kind of follow the guidance of what I was given, you know, to bring myself back to life. And as I was coming back to life and doing this, this was healing me because I was so um, in such a bad shape that just by doing that and allowing myself not to keep pushing through, but just to be, okay, this is it. I'm just going to heal. Through that process, what uh, kind of pushed me even further was I had gone that weekend where I, one of the weekends that actually led to me going to that place that I mentioned, 
um, I had gone away to some other event that popped up. And when I, when I was on the plane coming back, it was a very spiritual experience, like kind of like, like just realizing, okay, maybe I'm not who I think I am, etc. Maybe there's something here. I had sat on the plane thinking, what am I willing to give up to have this experience? And I thought to myself, I'll give up anything. I'll do anything to have this experience. And then when I got home, my daughter was um, not there. She, my husband was there. My daughter wasn't there. And uh, she, her phone wasn't working. And we couldn't get hold of her. And she didn't come home. And this was the first time ever of something like this happening. And I, we were, I was completely freaked out. I couldn't sleep that night. And I was thinking, oh, my God, is this what I, you know, this is what I said is this, I'll do anything. I didn't mean this. Oh, right? my, yeah. And um, anyway, so in the morning, after trying everything, trying to get hold of whatever, blah, blah, reaching every person, everything that I thought I could do, I just decided, okay, I actually had a client I had to go see. So I just decided that I was just I was going to have a shower. And as I was stepping into the shower, I remember thinking to myself, whatever is, is. I don't have any control. If this is what it is, this is what it is. So I just give up. I surrendered. And at that moment, my phone beeped and it was my daughter. <sighs> I, speechless. Wow. The only thing that brings me true worry in my life is something happening to my family especially my kids. So right. to have such a scary thing happen and then to get to the point where you're, you just have to surrender to it. Um, and then the relief of she's actually okay. And I have also learned something from this. I mean, right. But the thing is you can only get there. Like in that moment where I gave up, I was like, I've tried everything. There's nothing else I can do. Right. And in that moment, I was like, this was, it'll be the way it's meant to be. Is the only way we understand. Yeah. Because yeah. so much of what we do is worry about <laughs> the people we think we're supposed to worry about, right? We're, oh, yeah. we're caretakers. We're constantly worrying. If I don't worry about them, you know, that has been a theme of my life that has helped me to understand yeah. The true meaning of spirituality and free will is I do not have the right to yeah. hold somebody in that place to worry that much or worry yeah. at all about someone else because that's taking away their power. I mean, it's different when we have little children, etc. but once they start to get to be adults, even as children, really. I mean, we want to take care of them, but we can't use our worry as a way of controlling ourselves or others. Yeah, right. And that is a very hard transition to make. And perhaps they had to give it to you like that because that was like a profound learning experience, I would imagine. Whereas for myself, I feel like over time, I'm trying to work <laughs> on that. So, um, but oh, gosh, I can't even imagine you, you, as as a as a parent um, that must have been such a tough lesson, but also I'm sure very profound. Uh, I know you had mentioned in passing the walking of your dog, you know, to get you up every day, and I want to share that 
when I was in a really dark place. I was in a really bad relationship. I had been in it way too long. I started getting the the, the two by fours to the head, right? Those red flags, they turned into two by fours. Finally, <laughs> my team was like, they had to, I, this is what I said. I, I said this in another episode, but they had to pull out the big guns and they brought my puppy, my puppy at the time, this adorable yellow lab, his name is Buddy. They brought him to me and he helped me get out of that relationship. It's almost like the animals it's like hey we cannot get through to her and and we know that she this is not what she wants <laughs> so now we've got to bring in the animals because they're so connected i feel like it's just um they're so pure and just so love that they can work well with them i don't know i don't know how it all works out but uh my dog saved me too <laughs> right you know the spirit of the dog or animals are very powerful because they don't have the ego that we do, right? Thank so goodness. They're able to transmit with, you know, love, which is what we desire. We desire to be loved unconditionally, so we can heal. Like that is the only way we heal is through love. And it's really kind of funny as you say that story because when my daughter was younger, like when we had got this dog, she was saying, I know why dog is backwards, spelled backwards to God. Right. <laughs> I mean, there are no accidents, no coincidences. <laughs> Everything's synchronistic. Oh, right. so beautiful. So beautiful. So to help wrap up our interview, I was wondering if, uh, no pressure, uh, if you might have a message from the Akash or from your guides or whoever for the collective, a timeless message to, for whoever is listening to this, um, that it will resonate with them when they do. All right. I'm asking the record keepers. And so the message they want to transmit is that whoever's listening to know that you are loved, that you are loved so deeply, so unconditionally, that the guides wish that you would begin to receive that love that is being transmitted to you so that you can live your life as one who is loved. Knowing you are loved puts upon you the requirement to receive, receive that love, receive the, receive the benediction of your soul and know that you can do no wrong. Well, that's just wonderful, wonderful reading, a wonderful message for all of us. So thank you so much, Jen. I do appreciate you and your time and for sharing your amazing journey with us so far. Thank you, Laura. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. 
I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.